Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rodoichin. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books, to art, to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. Today I'm talking to Laura Bailey, the model, writer and photographer. An early adopter of all things pertaining to style and culture, she is a contributing editor at British Vogue, where she writes a weekly roundup of her recommendations of the latest books, exhibitions, Netflix series and more. She is an ambassador for Chanel and is known for her idiosyncratic style as well as for her support of British fashion designers. We sat down for a chat at Five Carlos Place where I asked her to choose the five things that most inspire her. So Laura, hi. Hi. How are you? Good, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. And we're here at Five Carlos Place, which you have been to before, you said. Um, What was it you were here for I came to celebrate a collaboration between matches and shrimps so a supper that my friend hannah the designer hosted yeah in the attic mm. and you saw the cabinet we have up there yep where you're going to put your things after you've spoken yeah, to them exciting. hopefully um <laughs> you know it's really great to have you here and there's loads i want to ask you about um as well as talking to you about the objects that you've chosen mm. um so you're a, you're a cultural ambassador for the british fashion council yep um, what does that involve? That's a good question. Um, that the, my role with the BFC is, in a way, actually quite similar to what I do with Vogue, with British Vogue, which is kind of a roving, kind of storytelling um, matchmaker. I would describe it as. So it's really looking at um, the fashion industry and individual designers. Um, in relation to the film world, the art world, um, possibly music, and really um, just trying to think bigger um, and also show up and support, um, you know, the best of British talent, which, you know, I've done for a long time and I'm passionate about. And um, I think it's a really great time to be British and to be working in this yeah. industry. Yeah, because you've always sort of supported young and upcoming talent in the British fashion design world. Um, is there anyone in particular that sticks out in your mind as being particularly talented? Um, well, we've already we've already mentioned um, Hannah Whalen and Shrimps, but but I've loved watching Molly Goddard's journey. Um, so many. I'm really bad at picking up so many friends, but um, but you know I'm a huge fan of Simone Rocha. Um, but really, um, it's and and what Lulu does has done with Fashion East. But I think um, I think it's really exciting watching um, things go from very kind of tough grassroots passion, you know, out of college to. Um, you know, international success. Um, I think it's really a privilege to be a kind of um, a proud ambassador. How do you stay in touch with all that? Does it? How does it work? Do you go and see them 
personally in their studios? Well, or? the 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 truth. The, yeah, I mean, like a sixth sense for it all. Um, I mean, all my work is very much about gut instinct and um, um, and friendship, actually, um, old friendships. But I, yeah, I go and I'm lucky to wear the clothes on shoots. Um, as a model, I'm lucky to often, you know, photograph things quite early as well. And also, you know, a lot of the, a lot of these people I've worked with for a long time now, so um, they're friends. But I, um, I've got my ear to the ground. <laughs> so you're absorbing stuff all the time, just through your work and yeah. Travels. I think I think key to that actually, and this um, it's partly just getting older and maybe you know trusting one's instincts more and and having confidence is that I found that in the past where I felt like I was working in so many different worlds and kind of a bit too much adrenaline and highs and lows and then now I feel much more like everything's kind of cross-pollinated and inspiring um, other, you know, other things and casting one project might lead to writing about something else or photographing and, and that might kind of seem quite complicated from outside but actually there's a really natural flow that connects rising talent to you know a lot of creative projects that I've got on the go and also you know I you know whether it's you know maybe my role as a contributing editor at Vogue is a good example but I I really like you know saying passing on good news like I don't need to do everything myself I like being a behind the scenes ideas person as well so um, at Vogue, I'm very much the girl saying, "Have you seen this? Have you heard about this?" Go, you know, and are you always sending I'm, stuff to your friends, links and books and yeah, and vice versa. You know, for my for my Vogue column, I'm very much like it's. I see it very much as a collaboration with my with my friends. And one of the things that is fun about it is that it's random. And I try. I want it to be accessible. I want it to. I don't want it to be. I genuinely really enjoy doing it. And like I say, I totally crib from my friends. Like, what are you reading? What are you eating? So it can be you anything know. from a book to a restaurant. Yeah, and I, I quite like in the kind of world of chasing the new, I quite like it. Like this week I wrote, um, you know, about classic thrillers, you know. So I, I don't, I like it being the mix of a new discovery, but with something I've forgotten about or something that just you know somebody reminded me of or some film that came on um in a in a festival um so yeah i i jump around hmm. right what's the first object that's going to go into your cabinet at five carlos place um the first object that's going to go into the cabinet at five carlos place is um i'm going to part with for a while um is my tennis racket um, and I thought about this over the last few days and I was actually torn because I am kind of sport mad and I thought about my boxing gloves and I like real sport I'm not a gym person but I like games and sport and um, and I decided to include my tennis racket because tennis I do live quite a high-speed, frenetic life, work life, and personal life. And tennis, for me, I've really got into it as an adult. Um, 
is the thing that I kind of makes everything else stop. You know, clears my head. Um, win or lose, I like the kind of dance of it. I like the ritual of it. I like playing with strangers. I like the kit. Tennis whites, probably my favorite outfit. I played as a kid, but as an adult, I played seriously for the last five years. And really it was because my son was getting really good and I wanted to be able to keep up with him. And I think, you know, whichever sporting world I'd chosen for this, it made me think, it made me think about how important kind of feeling physically fit and strong has been in my life, whether I'm traveling for work or even as a child, I was quite a serious athlete. And, you know, it's been kind of the thing that whatever else is going on has grounded me mm. and made me feel the, the best version of myself. Um, what were you doing when you, what, when you say you were a serious athlete? Track, track. Running, Yeah, that's what that means. Yeah, um, I train, and you still run yeah. now, do you? You know, I like to, I don't run regularly. I run, if I'm on a trip for work, I love running as a way to kind of get my bearings from a hotel in a strange town. Um, not very seriously. And, and I run around the park with my dog, not very seriously. But, um, but I really, I like sport. I like competition and, um, and yeah, but I do. So do you fit it into your day or is it, do you have a set time that you do it or is it more just like as and when you can slot it in? Um, um, yeah, it's as, it's as and when, but it's, you know, it's twice, it's twice a week, maybe a lesson and a match or, you know, or maybe a fun match with my son at the weekend. But, but I put it in, but also because, you know, I think kind of the idea of, um, you know, working in fashion. Um, you know, I, I just like to, in terms of the cabinet and the real me, I just like the idea of, you know, celebrate that that's a really important um, part of how mm. I grew up and how I see myself and how I feel my best. What do you wear to play tennis? I wear Stella McCartney whites, which can be navy blue. Mm. Um, um, I'm quite strict about my kit. I'm not in anything else, but I like the tradition of tennis whites. Um, and I do especially love Stella for Adidas. And what kind of racket is it? Head. Nothing, nothing flashy, but I love it. We strung a few times, we wrapped a few times, a bit bashed. <laughs> so you grew up in Oxfordshire and you graduated with a first in English liter literature from the University of Southampton. Mm -hmm. Pretty impressive. Um, and so how long after that did you stop modelling? Um, a year. So you were, so is, is that like early 20s sort of? 22, 21. I graduated and, quite young, 21. And you were discovered um, was it on the King's Road? Mm -hmm. Every cliche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like being a model in London in the 90s? Because I feel like it's um, probably quite different to how it is now. Yeah, I think it's very, it was a very different time to be a young model. But at the same time, you know, I was very different person into you know I didn't plan to 
I I didn't ever have a dream about working in fashion. It was not my um, it was not my my focus. I think I think for me, what was most thrilling at the beginning, especially when it became like a reality, and I was lucky to have an amazing agent and and be very lucky with the opportunities that that arose. I was really really excited to travel and I didn't grow up um, taking that for granted or imagining that that was even a possibility to travel in the way that I did in my 20s for work and um, and also for me you know I was crazy about music and I worked um, on quite a lot of music videos and oh, did, what kind of music videos? Um, Primal Scream, In Excess um, were they always the most fun shoots? I mean, they. Must I mean, not have been. so. Yeah, I mean, not so. I mean, long and hard, and but like a dream. You know, I mean, that was really exciting to me then. And then, I when you ask about modelling in the nineties, you know, I moved to New York in the mid nineties, so I can't really answer about London after because I got a job in New York and and stayed. So what was the job? It was for Italian. Glamour with Manuela Pavesi, who was a great um, mentor to me, really, um, with Anna Della Russo. And um, I mean, looking back, it was kind of crazy, but I did do the job and stay. And um, and I became a New Yorker. Um, and why did you live in New York when in, you were there? in the West Village? Were you by, living by yourself? Or? Yeah. Yeah. I had a few friends, um, and I I did like the idea of kind of starting over, and I liked, I mean, I literally only knew, knew New York from the movies, and I, I was up for the adventure. Mm. Um, what's the most memorable trip or job that you did, apart from in excess and Primal Screen, which obviously they must have been quite <laughs> memorable so in their own way. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, the most fulfilling, looking back, are the jobs where I mean, I'm very lucky. I continue to work with some people I've worked with for twenty years, so I've very, you know, strong friendships and relationships with my kind of key creative collaborators, but. Um, Really, it was it, it for me. It was always about the travel. It was going to places that I'd never uh, to Nepal, to Seychelles, to you know Hotel de Cap in south of France, where we did an amazing trip with Chanel. And um, but I, it's I think I hesitate and find it quite hard to answer because I am much more the kind of person to be looking forward and in the moment. So I'm kind of more excited about looking about things happening next year than I um I'm not very good at looking back and um dwelling yeah um and just and and, I mean obviously you've modeled and but you've it just seems like that's always been secondary to lots of the other things that you do writing for lots of different publications Mm. taking photos for Mm. self-service and violet and your charity work with save the children Mm. um I think it's what they call like a portfolio career today. 
Um, I was just wondering, have you always been a grafter? Uh, yeah, I think the honest answer is yes. I think I've always had quite had a very strong work ethic, and I think since I had kids, I've been really learning in a good way about balance. And you know, I'm the biggest luxury in my work life is to manipulate is to work around my kids on the whole. Um, I'm a really full-on mum, and um, but with that means I have to be pretty disciplined and pretty organised. And I, um, but yeah, the answer is yeah. I've always been super independent, hardworking, and and I kind of don't take anything for granted. I think you know I'm I'm definitely like like always looking to learn and you know, and and grow and make good decisions actually. And that can be also about taking time out as much as um, saying yes. But, um, but things feel pretty balanced right now. Let's talk about your second object for the cabinet. Um, the second object actually takes us back to New York. Um, and I chose it because when I came, I came back from work a bit stressed and distracted the other night, just tired, I think. And my kids put on Nick Cave, the boatman. They're much better at anything tech than me and basically in charge of everything. And you know, How old I'm, are your kids? I'm locked out of my house, <laughs> entire tech of my house. I'm 13 and 10. And they kind of know that I like, they know what I like and they and they saw me kind of getting organized and making supper and and then they put on my favorite record and I thought, oh that's what I should put in my matches cabinet because it was just that moment of like I was so touched that they put it on for me without me hinting and and it also takes me straight back I think it came um, I think, I've always loved Nick Cave, but The Boatman's Call came out in 97, and I was in New York, and I'm pretty sure, my memory's terrible, but I'm pretty sure I bought it, bought it on vinyl, and I had a really cheap, ugly plastic record player in my little apartment in the West Village, and I lived opposite, doesn't exist anymore, um, Kim's Video Store, which is where my girlfriends and I all, you know, rented all our, you know, rented our movies, bought our records, and we'd spend whole weekends binging on a director. And and it was a very kind of innocent, like, growing up moment. It's where I made the best friends of my life. Um, and this album, even though, um, you know, obviously Nick's Australian and, you know, I you know, I know their London life, but takes me back to kind of my 20s in New York and especially our kind of hours choosing in this video store. And um, it was really precious time. So what brought your New York odyssey to an end? Um, I, I'll always love New York and I've just been on a work trip and I love a New York fix any excuse but I it's almost like I, I feel like in retrospect like I needed to leave 
to fall in love with London again. And I was always working kind of long distance, even when I was there with um, with London. And and yeah, it felt like the right time. And and actually, now nah, I mean, I'm so happy that I had that experience. I think it's an amazing thing to live in a different country in your twenties and just embrace it. And I really did. I thought I was a New Yorker. I thought that, but it's also really good to come home. Mm-hmm. Would you ever live anywhere else other than London now? I love London so much that if I was, um, I mean, to answer honestly now, I probably would say no. But I. You know, I did live in LA for a few months when I was pregnant with my daughter, um, just mostly because of work. But but no, I feel really lucky to be really rooted in London, but also have the freedom and luxury to travel because of my work. Um, And you were just, you mentioned earlier about your key collaborators and one of those people is Bella Freud. Yeah, I knew you were gonna say that. I don't know why. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, you've mentioned it a few times in interviews I've read with you about how you're, I don't know if it's official or unofficial muse to her. Just She's friends. a friend. Just friend. Um, so tell me a bit about that. How did you guys meet? Um, I'm, um, yeah, Bella Freud, has, she has been a very influential, important person in my work and personal life. Um, um, we met when she cast me in her early films that um, John Malkovich was directing. Um, I was very young, I was kind of in awe of everybody else who was in them. Um, it was an amazing experience um, and we did it again and again and ever since then, I mean we've done all kinds of, pro- we've done films together, we've done all kinds of projects, but always friendship first. Um, I've worked quite closely with Bella on her Hoping Foundation charity as well. Um, um, but really, she's just a trusted and very inspiring friend. But yeah, let's so let's talk about your style. You have a very distinctive look, and you're sort of well known for it. Let's talk. Do what you're wearing now. I know oh, people God. will want to know. <laughs> um, um, so you're wearing a kind of blue denim-ish shirt. Yeah, my old, very old J. Crew um, denim shirt um, so that you've had for ages. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, Chanel black kind of long pencil skirt um, my old stomping around Vetmont boots scruffy old they're like high heel platform um, I have come straight for a shoot and it quite I am slightly schizophrenic in my style today <laughs> I also had another huge bag of different um, layers that I managed to drop off at home on the way with my daughter but um, and a cashmere jumper over the top, kind of cream cashmere yeah. jumper. Yeah, yeah, and a very um, beautiful Paul Smith coat actually that I felt, you know, I just had time to walk around quickly before I came in and it's kind of that coat that makes you feel even if, you know, everything else is wrong, together. Pulls it all yeah. together. nice. So um, when I said your shirt, is re- it's really old, I mean, I'm quite weird I take that as a compliment don't worry yes. no but I meant it as a compliment in the way that you wear things still that you've had for a while yeah. and, and you keep let old friends that you put yeah. out um, do you have an enormous wardrobe and do you, have, do you have all your stuff in front of you to look at or is it all in your head and in storage uh, okay um, oh no I don't have any storage I 
I have a biggish closet. Um, but I'm quite ruthless. I, um, you know, I keep my, obviously I've got a daughter, I keep my precious things, but I'm not a hoarder. I give lots to charity and friends actually. And like you mentioned, I really, I wear things over and over and over again. Um, and that doesn't mean, to, I mean, I'm not pretending that I don't love a, you know, something new or, but, but I definitely am not kind of a one night stand dress kind of girl. Um, um, and I'm also not that, I'm quite, I'm organized in life, in travel and work, but you'd be a little disappointed if you saw my, <laughs> my wardrobe. Um, and I also kind of, and the kind of person where, I mean, not disappointed, I mean, really so lucky to have beautiful things, but you know, there's not a hint of color coding or whatever people do, summer, winter, rotation, or none of, none of that. It's all just jumbled. You know, it's, um, it's a jumble, but a happy jumble. And, um, but I'm also the kind of person who, you know, I get obsessed with something and then I'll, I'll wear it over and over again in different, in different ways or... Um, what are you obsessed with at the moment? Um, I'm, especially I've been, I've been shooting a lot behind the camera the last couple of weeks and that's a kind of jumpsuit uniform kind of obsession. Um, what else? Um, I can't really explain it. I mean, it, sometimes it can be like wearing, you know, I, I also, you know, maybe it's just like a time thing, but you know, I, I'll i go out in the, I'll, I will put a nice dress or something on in the evening, but I'll still have my trainers or, um, and I always have, I, I have kind of the things I've loved forever, like, um, a classic kind of slightly falling apart Burberry trench coat or my you know little black jacket by Chanel the thing the few things that that I've had forever and I know I'll, I'll wear forever um, are there things that you've got rid of that you've regretted getting rid of um, not really not really I don't really look back <laughs> That's like a running theme here. I'm feeling. I'm starting to feel like. Um, and I'm also interested to know your aesthetic. How did you arrive at it? Was it something that came fully formed, and you always knew from a very from when you were, a, I don't know, a teenager, or when you stopped wearing a school uniform, what kind of things you liked, or is it something that's developed over the years? And as you've gotten older, you've become more. Because you know, some people say, "Oh, I didn't develop my style until I hit 40 Or I was just wondering. I how think it's always you. evolving, and I think that's a very that feels to me like a very natural thing. And I also, I, I think it, I think I'm contradicting myself, but I like both things. I like the sense of a uniform. I like my kind of key things that I know I come back to that I love. And I, but I also like experimenting and discovering new things or, you know, or, you know, like for example, my son's a, a an obsessed skateboarder and I know it's really like embarrassing for him but I'm really into his you know into his skate stuff and um, and so I'll like 
wear one of his hoodies with something, you know, much more feminine of mine. And I think, I think it's always evolving because life is evolving and work is evolving. And I think because I, some of the nature of my work is that I have to present myself a certain way. Um, that that should be fun. That's the easy stuff, you know. So I don't. And I suppose the other thing is that that's why I find it quite awkward to answer is that I'm just not, I just don't think about it that much. I'm such a gut instinct person, you know, and I also am quite practical, like, you know, I'm mostly able to cycle to work or around. And so I want to be practical, but I also want to maybe have a pair of shoes in my bag for later or, you know, I want to be kind of, Nimble. Mm, that's a good word. So what's the third object for the cabinet? Um, I've chosen to put a fragrance, um, Chanel number no. 19, in the cabinet. Um, I, I do love Chanel. I, I love the fragrance of Chanel. But I've chosen number no. 19 more because of a moment in time and because of the emotional association for me. So way before I had any sense of a possibility of a, of a career in fashion of any kind, I very much remember saving up on school trip for um, um, for duty-free Chanel number no. 19 and, and um, and I remember the ads, and I remember the whole glamour and mystique that that represented to me at the time. And and I think, I mean, I know this from talking to my girlfriends, you know, it's always quite emotional, your first perfume. It feels like a commit, you know, and kind of crossing over to, um, to kind of a much more sophisticated, sensual world, I guess. And, um, you know, now I'm quite, you know, I I still keep, I wear Boy by Chanel, but still when I, I still go back to Chanel number no. 19 and it takes me back to kind of feeling innocent, but also that sudden desire and that feeling of like, you know, could I, um, could I be a Chanel girl? Um, and you are these days. And which, and I don't, and when I say I'm not really talking about work, I mean, the idea of what that meant to me then was so from another world. Um, I suppose that's the amazing thing about perfume is that yeah. it, can, it is like that entry mm. point thing mm. into those worlds, isn't yeah. it? Like a lipstick is or... Yeah. But smell. And I think that's so why it's quite an emotional relationship. Yeah. Mm. Um, how did you start to work with Chanel in the first place? been going on for a while um yeah I think I mean it's a series of combination of work projects and friendships and collaborations and um yeah I've been very lucky to be a friend of the house of Chanel for a long time and um I I really cherish that relationship um I love my um trips to Paris or all over the world with Chanel and um, and it's really kind of they've really kind of been my fashion family if one has one so very special mm. um, 
how about re- how do you find time to read i know you like to read and you read a lot of mm. novels um mm. you, we were just talking mm. before this recording about michelle obama's mm. autobiography which mm. has just come out and you said you'd read it yeah. and um so how do you find read the time? it and bought it for my girlfriends <laughs> recommended it to several people <laughs> how do i find time um i i read most when i travel um that to me is one of the luxuries of traveling alone especially um um, are you traveling a lot then um is it mainly for work or um not like i used to um it's just harder with the kids but yeah i was in new york last week and you know i read um i read i read on planes i read in taxis i read in bed um but I have always been a voracious reader. It is. And are you, do you read the, phys- the physical books? Or? Yeah, I, I do. My kids read on the Kindle. And I'm like, how could you? Really? Um, but I love that, you know, I always want them to read mm. however they want to read. But no, I, um, yeah, I read, I read books. Um, I, I've got to be honest though, when my babies were, when my kids were babies, I, totally slowed down I mean I maybe and then in the last few years I've really rediscovered my love of reading and how do you come across books uh, do you actively go and take them out or is it because you need to review them for publications no I, I I do everything kind of back to front I much more just read all the time and then decide what I'm gonna write about or um, I don't I am lucky to be sent some things quite early which is a real privilege to 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 read things in manuscript but um um but I read I mean my favorite thing still is a recommendation from a friend I mean I've you know I've got a lot of friends who are big readers and know me really well and I trust their recommendations but I also read reviews I get tips from Instagram I um I go and see what looks pretty in the window of dawn, you know, I mean, I'm yeah. not, I don't really have a, a formula. What else do you, in terms of media, yeah. do you read um, a newspaper or is it more just absorbing stuff that comes through? I mean, there are so many different touch points for absorbing yeah. media yeah. now. But Yeah, I'm quite old school. I read The Guardian and The Independent delivered by the paper girl. Um, I really, I, I'm big on ritual, like I like, I'm, I like to get up really early, have my coffee, read the papers before my kids are even up, maybe walk my dog, um, and I like print. Um, and what else do I... Do you look at any fashion publications, I mean obviously Vogue, um, but in terms of enjoying reading fashion publications for inspiration, I mean lots of people look at Instagram for that now. Um, but do you still do you read and gather fashion magazines? Yeah, um, I I love the Gentlewoman. I love Luncheon. I um, I will. I'm always curious. I'll pick up and you know. And, and also, I've been shooting for quite a lot of independent magazines, so that's really opened my eyes to you know to to different publications. Um, and yeah, I'm constantly inspired by print. But I also you know, totally embrace the digital world and and um, 
but I definitely don't choose between. I I I, I juggle both. Mm. Yeah. What else is going into your cabinet? Um, I have chosen to put um, my old film camera, Contacts T two. That actually my oldest stepson bought me on eBay years ago, um, and I'm choosing it. It's actually not That's the a camera. Nice present. <laughs> Yeah. Very thoughtful. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I paid for half of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, And the reason I've chosen that is because when I, when he gave me that was just when I'd always taken pictures behind, I was very much in my gang of friends and at work, the one taking all the pictures. And um, it was the beginning of kind of conversations with, friends in the business about why don't you show somebody your pictures and I was like because that's just what I do secretly privately for me on the road and um, as those conversations were evolving and I was really lucky to get the chance to to do some commission shoots which are now ongoing it really there's something about this camera and shooting on film that takes me back to the original, like when you ask about modeling in the 90s, you know, to me so much of the magic was about not knowing what we'd done on the day or, you know, or, you know, Polaroids stuck in the back of my modeling book. And, you know, now even on either side of the camera, I pretty much know what we've done, you know, everything's digital and that's great too. And gives you huge freedom and, and actually, you'd often get to go home at a normal mm. time, which we didn't then. But um, but I suppose this camera to me represents kind of returning to the roots of what I loved about photography and storytelling and image making. And now on a shoot, actually even if, or just traveling, it's kind of the camera I've got kind of just in case. It's my kind of, back up or I'll do a little extra for fun and it's just my kind of the camera that to me represents kind of freedom and risk and um, and also I don't want to say the opposite of Instagram because I love Instagram but it's a reminder to me of not everything not needing to be so speedy and um, and to take my time and to and to think about the process and a lot of what I've been loving and learning through my photography recently is really trying to um, give myself and my team the time to really think about the casting and really think about not just the image on the day but how that feels for the whole how the experience of the shoot is for the whole crew. Um, it's really important to me and um, and give myself time to finish things properly and pause and learn um, and because I've been doing it's a bit strange talking about it but it's because I've been doing everything quite quietly and and seriously it's that's why that's why this camera's in the, it's quite symbolic to me of a kind of shift and it's not you know weirdly as soon as I started getting jobs as a photographer or commissions of stories, modeling was just so easy and fun. <laughs> <laughs> and like a holiday, you know, I started, I felt really, 
it's weird. Um, it's just so much more creative and relaxed and um, collaborative now as a model than it was then when I shouldn't really... It's, so it's very, being it's, behind the camera has given you a different perspective on being in front of it, would you say? In a way, it just all, in a way, but maybe it's just happens that, I don't know, I just feel differently about it. You know, I, it's really, um, just feels light. What's your relationship like with a model when you photograph them? Do you feel like you mm. have a particular understanding of them because you've been in that position yourself? Yeah, and I'm not alone in that. I mean, there are many, you know, models taking beautiful pictures. Um, but I think, you know, and the same with an actor and uh, transitioning to directing, um, you know, I think when you've had that amount of experience on the other side, it, it does, of course it gives you an empathy and understanding and I think that is really valuable. Um, um, yeah, and I think also... It's interesting, you know, the, the whole casting process, you know, what I'm looking for. It, it really is, it, it's still quite new for me. And um, what kind of models do you like to work with? Are you looking for something? I mean, you must be looking for something in particular. Um, well, it, depend, it does depend on the story, on, on, on the job. Because I, I mean, I really love shooting portraits. I really love shooting people that maybe haven't had their photograph taken very much. I like discovering new talent, but I also like taking photographs of people in very different worlds, you know, um, music and publishing, you know, dancer. So um, I certainly don't have a type. Um, have you published your phot photography? Have you had it published in a book or exhibited anywhere? Um, no, just magazines and personal thing, personal projects. Mm. Um, is that something you'd like to do? Have a show, or would it be too much like too much attention on something you've just started doing? Well, I haven't. I've always taken pictures. I just haven't been chasing the work. Um, um, I. It's not something I think about now. But it's not. Um, but I'm not hiding. You know, I'm 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 loving what I'm doing, and I'm also, you know, my work as a photographer is very much a collaboration with my key team. So a lot, um, I'm working mostly with my friend stylist Kathy Castorine, who's, you know, hugely talented and experienced, and has been completely instrumental in, you know, in in our journey, in my journey creatively, um, and when we're working together I very much think of it as we not I. How do you guys work together that's quite interesting do you um, sit down and concept the story for a shoot together or is it something she brings to you and says she would like to do? Um, both but really we we go through every every step together yeah that's part of the joy of it actually is the brainstorming and and coming up with the concept and the cast and um, locations and you know doing the maths <laughs> um, um, so yeah I mean we were and you know and do you guys have a similar aesthetic would you say yeah. when it comes to clothing yeah mm. yeah but different enough to be able to for it to be a dialogue yeah 
Yeah. Um, what do you do if you're feeling uninspired? You talking about in life or in work? I mean, I, I, oh, well, um, um, I go for a long walk. Um, it's usually best for me. I mean, the temptation would be to like go and see stuff, and um, and I find often what I need to do if I'm feeling flat is to clear my head rather than consume more or go. You know, I'm. I'm always seeing stuff. I'm always looking for stuff. So often, how I can reconnect with I can't with a again, curiosity or and joie de vivre is by just slowing everything down and walking with my dog or with some music is kind of probably my kind of way back into is countryside better or urban for me urban I love the countryside I love a an escape but I I find a lot of um, I can find a lot of peace and inspiration in London what is your final object for the cabinet um, I don't know if my final object is a book or one particular poem but it's um, from Audre Lorde's collect, selected poems, or collected poems, I don't know. Um, and the reason I've chosen that book is because of a particular poem, it's called um, Now That I Am Forever With Child, it's quite a long title. And the reason I, it came to mind when I was thinking about this because, back to talking about reading, one of the things I love when I'm traveling is to, is a random bookshelf in a hotel room. I love, other, in the same way that maybe I like secondhand clothes, I love other people's, I love a book that's been left behind, I love passing things on. And, um, and I was in a hotel room in the Lake District, just found out I was pregnant and picked up this book from beside the bed in the hotel where I'd never been. And the first poem I read was this book about the kind of beginnings of new life. And it really, you know, was a big moment for me and and a big kind of secret moment. And, um, and it is a really beautiful poem, but the whole, you know, I, but I am, I'm a fan of her work, her writing generally, but it is that one particular poem um, that is really precious and that's why I wanted it to be in the, in the box. Well, that's really lovely. So, Laura Bailey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, Delia. Thank you. That was an episode of The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion podcast. You can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website, and you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion, at Matches Fashion Man, and the hashtag 5CarlosPlace. Thanks for listening.